three, two, one. From down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious. The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Buzzardry. It is Sunday evening, October 1st, a new month, new Buzzardry. Glad to be back with you. My name is Ben Milam, and I'm here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing on this Sunday night? Uh, checking in uh, after another tough loss, but we'll try to break it down for you folks. So, <laughs> Yeah, we will. We will break it down in full, as always. We, uh, yeah, well, of course, talk uh, next weekend or this upcoming weekend, homecoming against Old Dominion. And we also have uh, some questions to go through. Um, and we'll try to, we'll try to put a bow on whatever that was we experienced yesterday uh, against Texas State. Before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Big Gold Nation. That is southernmiss.rivals.com. A lot of great content. Um, football, obviously, and as we move into basketball season uh, over on the site, they will uh, start having some more basketball stuff. So uh, be sure to check that out, southernmiss.rivals.com. All right, Pat, let's see if we can try to make some sense of this uh, this game yesterday, 50 to 36, uh, of course, everyone is going to be aware of how that game went. Uh, 42 to 10 at the half, um, which is uh, we were talking before we started recording. It's right around when most people hit the exits. Uh, but those people missed what I think was far and away the best half of football Southern Miss has played in 2023 come up a little bit short and uh yeah we'll we'll get into the details here but final 50 uh, to 36 Texas State's able to put it away at the end there Pat first thoughts on that game Yeah I mean it was I mean really that first half I mean it was it was looking like um you know Ellis caliber uh Ellis caliber football there where you're down 42-10 I mean you got up to the worst possible start you give up the punt return or the kickoff return on the opening kickoff and then you have a quick interception off a deflection for Texas State uh, to make up 14 to nothing, and they just really, you know, opened it up. And then you get it to where it's 21 to zero. You look like you're maybe about to get it to 21 to seven. Maybe you're driving pretty well. And then you have uh, a false start, bumps it back. Then you have to kick a field goal, 21 to three, and it just kind of spiraled out of control. Where you weren't you weren't competitive at all in that first half. I mean, Texas State had just was blowing you off the lines, just having huge running lanes. Offense couldn't get anything going at all. And then, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, most people did leave after that. Uh, most people, including myself, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to hide from the fact that I, I did leave after 42 to 10. I think a lot of people, you know, they were, you know, people that were saying that they had never left before, you know, during like the Ellis years and the early Munkin years saying that they had also left. But I think if they had pulled off, those, you know, like I was telling you before we uh, started recording, if they had come back and won, I think about 50,000 people would have uh, claimed that they were there. Um but, yeah, I mean, in the second half, I think the story was a couple of kind of weird turnovers, started moving the ball, even though, I mean, really, you weren't moving the ball fast enough. 
um, to really, I mean, if you had maybe scored a little bit quicker, you maybe would have had a better chance where you wouldn't have had to been so urgent on that last drive when you knew you were kind of having to run like, you know, almost a, a two-minute drill there. I mean, it was a little over two minutes, I think. But, yeah, I mean, you got a couple of turnovers, that weird play. I mean, hats off to Jake Stanley for knocking that ball free yeah. uh, on that, you know, weird lateral play at the goal line. I mean, if USM would come back to win that game, I mean, that play was already getting a little bit of attention on on Twitter. But, like, USM would come back to win that 43-42. I mean, that I felt like that could have been on, like, Sports Center and, you know, would have been one of the all-time great hustle plays in USM, uh, in USM history. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was just too little, too late. Where I mean, the offense they they benefited from a couple like a, a couple short fields, um, and it was just you know a situation where you were going to have to go eighty plus yards there with two and a half minutes, and that's you know really difficult for this offense. And you know there were a couple um, penalties that you know maybe could have been called on that last possession, so maybe pass interference. Uh, but you know you, you shouldn't have been you know you shouldn't have put yourself in that position uh, to begin with there, and. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at the stats. I mean, even though that it was, you know, it, you know, USM had the ball, the chance to win the game there late. You look at like yards per play. I mean, Texas State had eight point nine yards per play. USM had five point six. I mean, that's over three, or that's three point three more than USM. That's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, Texas State much better uh, running or passing the ball, uh, running the ball, but teams have five point two. But yeah, I mean, I think I think the secret of the 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 second half was USM was able to keep the ball out of Texas State hands. I mean, USM dominated time of possession in the second half, which, I mean, I mean, part of the reason, I mean, it was kind of almost an illusion of, you know, was the defense playing better or was it just a domination time of possession? Because if you like look at the numbers, yeah. Texas State had almost seven yards per play. I mean, obviously a lot of that's been, I mean, they almost had like a 99-yard play on that Jay Stanley play uh, where he knocked out of the goal line. But, um Dominating time, time of possession and getting those two key turnovers and being able to sustain some longer drives in that second half, I think that was the key to getting it back, um, you know, and, and making it, you know, a, a you know respectable game and a chance you had a game to win. But still, I mean, th- this was this was a disappointing loss. Yeah. Uh, to to put yourself in a position where you're down 32. Um, I mean, I think we all thought that you know losing was you know a possibility. You know, you probably probably even a probability based on the line. Uh, but I mean, you just can't excuse getting down forty-two ten in year three against Texas State when they're in year one. Um, so a, a disappointing loss. Played well in the second half. Did some things well, uh, but still, there's um, a long way to go. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I I don't I don't remember such a stark difference in two halves. Uh, at a Southern Miss game that I've I've ever seen, um, and that, I mean that first half, maybe it's it might be recency bias, but that to my memory was the worst half of Southern Miss football um, that I've seen. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I think again, you know, we've talked a lot about context in the, in the context of it being year three and this being a year one coaching staff for Texas State, and uh, you know, as bad as Texas state was last year. And uh, I mean, there really was no phase of the game where you were competitive in that first half, which made that, you know, the second half so remarkable. Um, yeah. And I, I think you're spot on the time of possession. I mean, Southern Miss had the ball 19 minutes and 31 seconds in that second half. And, you know, even, even that being true, I, I think the defense was a lot better. You, you got some pressure, um, on TJ Finley, you only had one sack, 
but I don't have the hurry numbers in front of me, but you know, he was, he was bothered a lot more. The pockets were not nearly as clean as they were in that first half. Um, uh, you know, the energy was, was obviously a lot better as you started to to pull that momentum onto your side. And a big part of that was, you know, plays like uh, Jay Stanley's uh, forced fumble there right at the goal line. And I think the team and the coaching staff, I think they deserve some credit for that second half. You know, think, uh, one of the, the first guys that I saw really – uh, kind of not doing it himself, but he was one of the first ones who I, I saw play with that energy was Latrell Jones. Uh, I thought it was far and away his best game. Um, and I think he showed that he can be kind of a, a premier slash primary threat offensively. Uh, and then, you know, kind of the rest of, of, uh, of the offense sort of followed suit. And then you obviously ran the ball really well. Um, and I think a large part of that was because, you were able to have some success through the year and that opened things up. Um, Texas state wasn't able to get quite as creative with all of their different blitz packages that they, they tend to do. And they tend to be really complicated and aggressive in that way. You kind of had them back on their heels. Um, And so that was, yeah, that was encouraging to me. I think that was the best example of um, or best evidence of the fact that I think this roster has the potential to be competitive, uh, to to be at least average, and and again that you know that's a good football team that obviously dominated you in the first step, but that you dominated in half number two, and it wasn't like they were it was their second and third string guys, and you know it was it was uh it was you were going toe to toe with them, and you beat them just about in every phase of the game, which you know you then you. <laughs> you kind of remember that first half and, and ask why, why is that the case? Um, why are you getting blown off the ball like you were and just dominated in, in every, uh, in every way. And, and, you know, I think we saw something similar uh, last week against Arkansas state and it kind of extended a little bit into the third quarter in Jonesboro, but they were Arkansas state was very much the better team through two and a half, three quarters of play, same thing with Texas State. Um, it, it's just hard for me to explain why you come out so low energy and undisciplined. And we had, uh, you know, I, I would have to look at it. I mean, you had, um, let's see if I can find the totals on seven total penalties, uh, just 30 yards there. But, I mean, I think five of them, at least five of them, were procedural penalties. And so I think you <laughs> – you uh you call into question the discipline a little bit, and I I thought Texas State looked like in that first half that they had better athletes. It looked like it was kind of a different level of football, similar to what we saw against Florida State. And like you said, that's just not that's not excusable. Um, and Will Hall said that in his press conference. He's you know I, I thought he was very honest. He didn't try to to hide from anything. Um, he did say a lot of this stuff is fixable and. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, at some point you have to fix it, you know. Uh, you know, at some point you have to put together a full game, uh, and we're you know kind of in the depths of conference play now, and now is the time to do that. And you, you know, uh, objectively, like you said, it was a disappointing result. Having a successful second half almost makes me more disappointed in that first half. The fact that you could you have the capability to do that and to win the half like you did that makes that first half, that performance coming out of the locker room like that a lot worse to me. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's also cliche and kind of, you know, moral victory. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, the team looks like, the, you know, people in the, in the first half. I mean, I kind of thought it too. were like, oh, the team has quit. Yeah. And I think, you know, the fact that you got it to within, you know, man, or where the game was winnable, I think it shows that the team doesn't quit, which is yeah. encouraging. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, that second half shows that, you know, is this a – you know, when this team plays at their peak, which, you know, you probably said that second half was their peak, and the fact that they, you know, you know handled in that – the last 30 minutes, you know, one of the better teams in the league. I mean, their peak is probably, you know, six and six and six, seven and five. Uh, if they play like, I mean, if, if they play like that the entire season, I mean, now it's, you're, I mean, you've digging yourself a hole where, I mean, you're one and four, I mean, six and six or seven and five would be, you know, pretty, pretty unlikely at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can, you know, I think, I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, probably, I think we got a question like what changes can be being made. And we'll talk about, you know, the future of the staff and like 2024 and what change or, and just the kind of the wholesale program stuff. But if you can kind of play like that and kind of just be like, a, I mean, you know, you kind of look at the beginning of the year. I mean, this would still be at this point, but you're kind of thinking you have seven or eight wins before the year. But if you can just be like a feisty four and eight and, you know, win a couple games and maybe have a couple competitive losses and then, you know, just something to build off of to where, and then you would be in a year four, which is, you know, a winner, you know, get off the pot type uh, a season. But, yeah, I mean, I think play like you did in that second half, and there are some things to build off of. But, um, yeah, I mean, they tried. They had Gore out there in the super back. I mean, he threw, I think, 10 passes, I believe, is what uh, uh, that we, he was listed at. Is that right? Two for 10, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, they, they tried some different things, and – um. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I think time, but yeah, just getting back, I mean, just repeating, but like time of possession and the turnovers, which, you know, and, it, and that's something that's not, you know, necessarily sustainable are those turnovers. I mean, especially one where, I mean, if that guy had scored on that play to make it, you know, I guess it would have been 49, 10 or 49, 16 at that point. I mean, that would have completely changed the game and there wouldn't have been a really a comeback. So that was kind of a yeah. weird fluky play and turnovers aren't sustainable. Um, but, you know, if you can play like you did in that second half, I mean, you should be able to beat Old Dominion, should be able to beat ULM, and maybe you get one or two others and you get to four and eight, five and seven, and then you can kind of talk about, you know, what needs to be done. Because four and eight, five and seven, I think in your three would still be, uh, you know, completely unacceptable in my opinion. I think in most people's opinion. I think in the, the staff's opinion. Yeah. Uh, but if you can you show some things in this, you know, kind of second half of the season um, and just something to build off of uh, and, it, and, you know, for next year, so yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think there are there are obviously some good things that you can pull out of this, but I think as a whole, we've just we keep using the, the you know the word if if this gets fixed, if you play better, if you if you put a full game together, um, you know then you'll be competitive, then you'll be okay, then you'll be encouraged, and this and the staff, um, you know, it, it, everybody's kind of when you talk about Southern Miss football, it's if, if this happened, if this one thing didn't go or this one thing went another way, if you got this call, if this, you know, whatever, if this certain things happen, uh, then this thing wouldn't have happened. At some point you have to start use stop using the word if, because if you just, if you keep using the word, if you're basically saying never, I, I think they still as a team have to prove that they can fix these things that are preventing you from winning ball games. Uh, I, I think that's the big thing for me here. I, you've yet to put together a complete performance. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the Alcorn State game. Um, but I think you, you just, 
that that's the first step is putting together a complete performance. Even if you somehow got a win against old dominion and it was an, it was again, sort of a tale of two halves. It wouldn't, you know, you would still be asking a lot of the same questions. Um, But I think you can only start talking about turnaround and capacity to win more games. than we originally thought after these last two weeks, when that happens, when they put together a complete performance, when they fix a lot of these discipline issues, when they come out of the locker room and have good energy and uh, again, are disciplined and execute. That was, that was a word that was used a lot um, by both Billy Wiles and, and coach hall and the presser uh, at some point you have to do it and quit talking about it. So um, that just wasn't the case. That's why you lost by two touchdowns and got, got down 42 to 10. Yeah. I would just kind of say just contrasting the two programs and you look at Texas state bringing in 50 plus scholarship transfers yeah. I mean, at a certain point, and we did get a question about, like, what kind of changes need to be made. And I think at a certain point, you know, you got to talk about embracing the portal more. Yeah. Um, where you've kind of used the portal on Hall's first three years as just as a way to, you know, bridge the gaps in some spots where you need kind of infusion of talent where you're, where you're light. Uh, but you might have to use it to kind of shape your roster in a lot of ways. I mean, I mean, what? You can't really look at a position. You know, people talk about, well, is it the players or the coaches or a little bit of both? But, I mean, just kind of looking at personnel, I mean, there's not really a position group or unit on on the field that has really been – I mean, maybe running backs. Running backs have been pretty good. But, I mean, you look at all of your position groups on the field, I mean, there hasn't been a group that's been, you know, consistently good the entire year. I mean, you would have said, you know, maybe defensive line. But, you know, yesterday when we saw what that Texas State running game did in the first half where they were just shredding you um, through the ground game. So, I think there's going to have to be a conversation about – all right, you're, you're going to have to process some guys out and, you know, bring in a bunch of transfers if you want to have I mean, where you're going to be in a situation where I think year four will end up being, you know, a win or get off the pot type year. You're going to have to embrace the portal more. And, I mean, you've seen it with Texas State. You've seen it, you know, in Colorado. Um, but, I mean, you just think about Texas State because you played them yesterday with 50-plus transfers. I mean, that was when they went 4-8 and eight in the Sun Belt. Yeah, uh, last year, and they're four and one. They've already they've already matched their win total from a year ago. Went on the road, beat a Big Twelve team by two touchdowns. And another team that could very well can you know win this division and maybe win the conference with the pressure staff because they brought in a bunch of guys from the portal, including a quarterback. Has been the T.J. Finley has been the best quarterback statistically in the Sun Belt Conference. Yep, um, through the first five games. So there's going to have to be some kind of discourse about roster construction, roster management. And maybe, I mean, maybe it's a short-term fix. And if you can get it fixed short-term and stabilize the program after a nice season with, the you know, a bunch of portal guys, then maybe you can turn back to that high school model. But I think you're going to have to really reshape this roster because there hasn't been a position group um, or, you know, a position group slash unit that has been, you know, stellar um, outside of running backs, honestly, for the whole of the yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, you're spot on. And, and I think the way that Coach Hall watched his, his press conference after, after the game – Part of me thinks that he knows that and he knows something has to change uh, because he, he did, you know, he said it a lot having to, to reevaluate everything, but he, I, I thought he was a little more upfront about that uh, in his, his presser. And, and I think there will, and again, has to be uh, some kind of change there. So, yeah, I, I think you are, I think you're spot on with that. Should we move on? Yeah. Do we want to get in we'll depth? Go back, uh, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll circle back to a few things on Texas state because we did get some questions yeah, uh, on some specificities there, but 
Um, yeah, so uh, or do we, let's do the questions first. Okay, yeah, we'll go question. That's, that's a good idea. Because most of this is obviously uh, pertaining to that Texas State game. All right, I think I have them all. I'll go back and make sure we didn't miss any. Austin, these are all on Twitter. Austin says, I'm not, I'm not going to read these verbatim. <laughs> uh, how, how have we regressed? This team wasn't that bad last year. Fundamentals are lacking. What changed? I don't know that anything's really changed scheme-wise. I mean, it's we've talked about Dan O'Brien. I mean, that's pretty much exactly the same scheme as Austin Armstrong was running. I think in a lot of ways – I still think in a lot of ways the, the roster is better. Yeah, I, I really have no idea. <laughs> it's an enigma. Yeah, I mean, I think it's partly personnel. I mean, we talked about you losing those guys like Natron Brooks, like Malik Shorts, uh, like Eric Scott, like Santra Latham, Dalen Gill. I mean, those were huge losses on defense. So your personnel on defense is, you know, taking a hit. And you also lost your D.C. Uh, to Florida. So you lose your your defensive play caller. You lose, you know, five solid to great players on defense. And, um, I mean, it seems like, yeah, I mean, that, and the defense, that's where the regression has been. Because the offense is, I mean, you look at your first two league games, you scored 37 and 36. Yeah. I mean, if you had last year's defense, you probably win both of those games. Instead, you lose them. So I think the regression on defense due to personnel and lose and staff attrition, I think that is the big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. But I, I do I, – I just – I think we have seen in spots from the defense – I mean, you you take that second half, you take the majority of the game against Tulane before you kind of wore down. I, I, I think the defense we, – we have seen some quality out of the defense. And I, th- I think the personnel is there to be competitive. And, and they again, they've shown that at times. But I think where – when they're really bad – it's it's a lack of execution. It's a lack of discipline. It's a lack of effort. And, um, you know, to me that that points to coaching. Um, but obviously, you, know, you can't ignore how much you did lose from the defense. But I, th- I think it's it's kind of equal parts there. So hopefully that answers that question. <laughs> Brick says, "What do you guys think is up with these awful starts to games? Coach Hall isn't great in the first quarter." And it's costing us games trying to climb out of that early hole. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's that's kind of the prevailing issue here. Um, I don't know, Patrick. Do you do you feel like that that points to personnel too, or or something else? No, I mean, I I, I don't. I mean, that's a tough one because I mean, I feel like that one. I just I don't know if it's you know getting getting up for the. I mean, I I have no idea. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not, yeah. I've never been a coach, so I feel like that's just kind of some kind of weird variance or. Yeah. randomness, um, I, I don't know. Because even that Arkansas State, I mean, that wasn't – I think this was – obviously Texas was an awful start because you get down 14 to nothing within the first, like, minute or two. But, I mean, Arkansas State went up 7 nothing pretty early. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, I guess Tulane, they, they drove down the field pretty easily. I, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I think variance or maybe you struggling with, like, opening offensive script. But, I mean – or the, the struggling against the opponents opening offense here, but in this one it was just a, a run back kick and a, and a tipped interception. I mean, that's yeah. kind of two pretty random um, um, events, although, you know, kick return, I mean, you got to be better prepared for that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, and the and Pass Pro needs to be better. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't yeah. uh, it was obviously awful uh, for the majority of that first half. And you know, Coach Hall he called that out in his his post game presser. He said, you know, part of the reason it sounded like the biggest reason that they that you didn't punt it on that fourth and seventeen or nineteen, whatever that was, uh, when you last had the ball with two and a half minutes to go, um, decided to go for it you know, on your own side of the field was because he didn't feel like the offensive line, you know, they're just, they're just not good enough in pass protection uh, consistently uh, to drive down the field. That that's obviously one big thing that really needs to improve. Yeah. And just get that. We didn't talk about that, but I do, I did agree with that decision and maybe that might be a little controversial, but if you were, I mean, you were in a situation where it was fourth and 17 and if let's say you punt there, I think that there was a little more than – you would have a little more than 40 to 50 seconds. It would have been like a minute 40, a minute 50 or so. But, I mean, still, you would have been pinned in – you would have been at the 20. It would have been either a touchback or it would have been, a pin, been pinned inside your 20. Yeah. So, you would have had to go on 80-plus yards with 90 to 100 seconds, no timeouts. And that's the absolute best-case scenario. There's a very – I mean, not a – you know, maybe not a 90% chance, but, a, you know, 50% or better possibly the Texas State gets the first down, the game's over. So, I would just, you know, fourth and 17 is a long shot, but – I mean, if sure. you punt the ball there, there's a, you know, probably better chance than that you don't even get the ball back. So I thought that was, I thought that was fine. Fan number nine, USM Baseball, a uh, couple questions here. It says, is our play calling unbelievably plain or am I missing something? Looks like every pass play that every possible catch has the highest degree of difficulty. Uh, they say it will work if we execute. Can't the play call in routes make it to where it doesn't have to be 100% perfect? To work, Patrick, you've you've kind of talked about the complexity, maybe the over complexity of the offense. I think maybe that kind of speaks to that. Yeah, I mean, it's just he, he seems to want. I mean, I'm not a football expert in the slightest, but like he kind of wants this cerebral. You know, he's kind of talking about like a Patriot Saints offense where you have like a supercomputer quarterback, like uh, you know a Drew Brees, Tom Brady, or like a Joe Burrow that can go through you know three or four progressions and then hit their guy. And you know, I mean, that's kind of the opposite of what Texas, Texas State. Yeah. Um, it's talked about that they kind of run something similar to Tennessee where there's a bunch of shot plays, a bunch of RPOs. Um, and that's, you know, the, I mean, that's what they run. The, you know, the Josh Heupel, uh, you know, kind of from the, the Braille type offense has been run throughout the years. And it's kind of like a modernized version of the air raid almost. So it's a, it's a simpler offense. And, you know, Hall prefers the, you know, what we talked about the pro style spread offense. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's a more complicated, requires more, um, you know, um, I guess more more cerebralness, if that's a word, uh, from the quarterback, the ability to you know check down one, two, three, if you can't. So yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's it's more complicated. So and I think it requires better pass protection too. Yes, you know, um, and again, you know, like you were saying, the the offense, I don't I don't think has been the biggest reason you've lost these games because you have you've put up close to forty. Um, and two straight games. So that, you know, that certainly bears mentioning. Uh, second question from fan USM baseball. The last four games, our defense has given up very easy opening drive TDs. We seem to be the only team who has, has to see a couple of drives to figure out how to defend. Why are other teams ready for defense before the game starts, but not us? Uh, it's kind of like the previous question about yeah. just like why the awful starts made. I don't know. I mean, maybe these other teams have really great opening scripts. Um, you know, I think a lot or maybe even most office coordinators script their, you know, first 10 to 12 plays on that first drive. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I re- yeah, I wish I wish I did know it. 
If yeah, I knew, if I knew if, if I knew the answer to that, I would be making lots of money being a football coach or a football <laughs> consultant somewhere. Yeah. As to why these other teams are able to have really good opening scripts and drive down the field really easily, yeah. but I don't know for sure. So if we if we figure that out, we will not. We'll, we won't talk about that on the podcast. I'll just I'll call Coach Hall and let him know. Yeah. Um, but Start I would imagine a football consulting uh, yeah. firm. Yeah. Buzzardry consultants. Uh, but I, I would yeah. imagine Coach Hall figures that out before we do. <laughs> yes. All right, the Colonel says, the second half showed some promise from the offense. Why can't we be more consistently like the second half offense? Um, I think, yeah, I think we've kind of maybe covered that, answered that question. Um, most of that is, I don't really know, uh, but also the offense not really being the prevailing issue. Um yeah, I don't know, Patrick. Any thoughts on that? I, I feel yeah, like we're I, not I, answering I, these at all. Oh <laughs> uh, no, we, we, yeah, they're they're kind of broad, uh, kind of abstract questions. We're better kind of our the granular, kind of the uh, more like pin down one thing instead of the overarching or you know, kind of just we're not wide quite that scale. smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, yeah, sorry about that, um, the Colonel and whoever else. We don't actually answer your question here. Uh, Alex says, why did Edwards come in for one play? I th- I think, Patrick, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Well, the helmet came on. When uh, Edwards came in for one play at quarterback, I think it was it was Billy injured. I think he got uh, oh, yeah. pretty good before that. Yeah, that or maybe his helmet came off because your helmet yeah. comes off, you got to come out for one play. Um, I don't think it was I think that's what, beyond that. Yeah, yeah, right. Whichever of those it was. Uh, sick. Uh, RD Golden Eagles says, What's a realistic solution? We can't fire the guy. I think Jeremy should force him to delegate offensive coordinator duties and evaluate entire staff in December. Um, I, I think there will be an evaluation of the entire staff. And again, I, I think Coach Hall alluded to that in the post game presser, but you're right. This is, uh, well, I mean, uh, I mean, it would really, really have to crumble um, in a in a big way uh, for, I think, the administration to even really consider firing firing him at the end of the year before that. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, and I think there's going to be – I would think there's going to be a staff shakeup. I do not think he's going to get a play call. I think he's going to continue calling plays. Yeah. I think realistic changes that need to be made, I think you need to make – I mean, I'm not going to, you know, call for specific guys on the staff uh, just out of respect for for those guys. But I think there's going to be need to be a shakeup on the staff, and I think you're going to need to embrace uh, the portal more, do a, a complete – I mean, not a complete roster overhaul, but a significant roster overhaul where you really bring in an infusion of talent, kind of like we talked about earlier, where instead of, you know, just, you know, handpicking a couple portal guys here and there to kind of fill in the gaps, you know, you're gonna have to bring in portal guys that are, you know, really, um, you know, a big, you know, part of your team and guys that are expected to be, you know, big time contributors across the board. Maybe not just at one or two positions, but you know, at every position. So I think that's what's gonna have to be done. So yeah, I agree, and I think especially on offensive line and probably probably the back end of the defense too. I mean, you're also, you know, you're you are. I don't have the roster in front of me, but you're going to graduate more than a few guys on the offensive line and the defensive front too. Uh, so it's it's part of it's going to be out of necessity 
uh, you were gonna, probably going to have to do that anyways. Uh, so that that definitely, I think, needs to happen regardless. Um, uh, here's my favorite one. I love pain. Says, why won't God blow up the sun? Um, I don't know, Patrick. <laughs> any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's how that's how I feel after watching USM and the Saints this weekend. So yeah. uh, I share a sentiment. <laughs> I do too. I do too. It is. Uh, it's exhausting. And it's it's not fun to watch, uh, particularly that first half. So we certainly hope that, uh, you know, hopefully we don't have to have these conversations a whole lot uh, the rest of the year because I think people are probably going to get tired of listening to us, uh, especially watching what we've seen the last couple of weeks. So Chris says, should we turn the rock into a new baseball field? Yeah, well, maybe it could be like the old uh, Oakland Coliseum where the uh, the Raiders played where they had the, uh, the half football or they play football on it and then they play baseball on it during the middle of the week and yeah football on the weekends so that could that would be fun. I mean that would really uh for like a super regional type setup maybe they maybe they should be able to retrofit it for uh for baseball when it I mean you might be able to sell or you get a half of that half of the rock field for a super regional get 15 or 20 thousand people there based on the demand these last two seasons if you could yeah. uh, somehow retrofit it for baseball <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where you would put the second hockey rink that Andy wants, like we were talking about. Yeah, uh, we're we're doing it. You, you have to. It's like those those like overtime videos where they like change the basketball arenas to hockey, and then or they change like the you know like Soldier Field to hockey, and then we're gonna have, there's gonna be one of those for uh, the Rock. It's gonna be football, and then it's gonna be changing like the baseball. And then it's gonna be changing to hockey. We're just gonna have all kind. Of, maybe have a couple soccer matches there. So it's. That'd be a fun video to see of them changing the uh, the, the playing surface. Yeah, it would. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't come to that, though. Last question here. Brick says, how far would a win over Mississippi State go if Hall and company could improbably pull that off? Uh, obviously, an extreme hypothetical, but that would, you know, that obviously would buy you some goodwill. Don't think that's going to happen. Um, and, and, you know, like we talked about, I, I think regardless – of how the rest of this year plays out, um, Will Hall still going to be your head coach next year? Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think uh, I think Brick really wants to beat State. I feel like he has this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Brick's the of, only one. Right, right. No, I'm the same <laughs> way. But I, I think um, you know, look at State. I think they're in that now. They've fallen into this maybe the sixties of S and P. So I mean, like if this was a good USM team, if like this was like a you know. A 2015 level USM team. I mean, USM would have a puncher's chance up there, sure. Because uh, this is, you know, probably the, you know, worst state team since, you know, since Mullen got there. I mean, they really haven't had many. Um, I mean, that, since I think Mullen got there, I don't think they've had many losing seasons, or maybe just one or two. Um, I think two, two losing seasons. So um, this is one of the rigged teams. But yeah, I mean, just based on what USM has done this year, I mean, there's nothing to really suggest that um, you can really go up there and and beat them. So it's yeah. it's a bummer. But, yep. uh, but yeah. All right. Let me make sure I didn't miss any. Oh, I did miss a few. Um, Nate says, is it basketball season yet? Almost, Nate. We're getting there. And yeah, that's, we'll a, hey, that, that's a testament to, uh, obviously, what Jay Ladner did last year. Um, you know, last year, this time, people were asking, is it baseball season yet? So, maybe that's a – Yeah. 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 Mustard <laughs> uh, Buzzard – Bleacher creature says, "Are we poverty, Patrick?" Uh, yeah, that was a controversy on Twitter because there were people arguing about like whether USM is a poverty school. That's just one of those. That's one of those. 
Yeah. One of those new age terms that fans use that is yeah. derogatory. So uh, I'll let other people decide for that. All right. Let me make sure that is it. Oh, uh, Eagles to the top says, was the second half a testament to what our potential is or an indictment on Texas State for counting the chickens before the eggs hatched? I, I really think it was it was more so uh, the former. I think it was it was um, I think you saw, like I said, really for the first time this year, the potential uh, as a whole of this team to be competitive against a good team. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think. If you play like you did, if you if you if you the entire year USM played slash plays, you know, if you retroactively play like that against Arkansas State, you play like that like the rest of the year, I mean you could have been a six or seven win team. Mm-hmm. Now I think, you know, maybe it might be four or five if you can play like that the rest of the year. Um so yeah, I mean it shows you it shows you a ceiling. I don't I mean, I would be curious to know what personnel Texas State was using in the second half, like their snap counts, how many backups they were playing. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, it was forty-two ten. I mean, I guess at that point they're probably thinking, "Well, yeah, we got this in the bag. We can start playing some younger guys or guys that don't play a whole lot." Um, and then as the game got closer, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, I, I doubt they were the backups played a whole lot of snaps because USM was able to get it to forty-two twenty-three. At that point, you got to put your your first stringers in um, if you're Texas, but I, I have not seen a, a snap count um, for them anywhere. So I think PFF has those, but you got to pay for it. So I'm not I'm not paying for that. Like Texas State snap counts, so. <laughs> Uh, okay, last uh, last thing wasn't really a question, but John Patrick uh, on Twitter, a couple of concerns from him. I think mostly we've we've answered them, um, but he did say uh, Hall mentioned 500 plus yards on offense, 28 first downs, yet neglected to mention the personnel Texas State had in. Right, that's what I was just kind of getting into the the snap count stuff. I don't, I don't know if they were doing mass subs or or not. I would guess for the most part, like you said, I mean because. It got to 42-23 at that point. It's competitive enough where you have to play the starters. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know for sure. But I, I would I would imagine it was mostly their, their top guys playing, even when it was, yeah. you know, a blowout. Now, maybe they were calling the defense differently. They were calling more prevent defense. Yeah. to Because, um, you know, that 42-10, that's typically what you do. But in terms of personnel <laughs> the players, I, I don't think it would be a huge, you know, mass subbing in second and third string guys. So. Yeah, and and actually, Austin Davis and uh, Jason Baker did a good job of of highlighting that they never really did play prevent defense. It was it was pretty much man oh, okay. uh, the whole way in terms of coverage. So uh, again, I think it was it was much more um, seeing the potential of the offense and, and showing that they they can uh, be competitive. And, and you know, I think we saw that against Arkansas State, too, last week late in that game. Um, but I think you can probably draw more out of that second half than, than you did last week because, it, you know, that is a – that's a good defense. Um, and, Patrick, you you mentioned it last week. But that, you know, they, I think, came into that game leading the country in tackles for loss, uh, seventh of the country in sacks, and had uh, – let's see if I can find it really quick. In total, on the game, had uh, two total sacks, and they were averaging, I think, over four uh, per game coming into that. And so, uh, you know, there's some good things you can draw out of that on offense. Um, the big thing is, like we've talked about a couple times, is putting it together across a full game. All right, Patrick, let's talk Old Dominion homecoming this weekend. 
Yeah, so Old Dominion, they're two and three, one and one in the league. Uh, they're two wins. AM Commerce beat them 10 9. Talking about that last week, where AM Commerce all lost by one on a, they got a touchdown, then they went for two, didn't get it. Um, so that's how they lost, or that's how Old Dominion won that. And then their other win was a league win against ULL. They beat ULL um, at home there, lost to Virginia Tech, lost to Heartbreaker to Wake Forest that they were way up in. Uh, and then they lost yesterday to Marshall, 41-35. A game they were up 21-3, to and they were really dominating. Uh, Marshall was able to come back and win that there in Huntington. But uh, you look at him, uh, Ricky Ronnie, head coach there. He was, um, I guess he'd be a third-year head coach. He was the OC at Penn State. Um, and, um, you know, they were picked, finished last in the East. They've been struggling a little bit. But, you know, they're 101 at S&P, 117 at FBI. Uh, but I think the first thing you look at them, quarterback play. So they had um, a transfer from Fordham that was in, struggled a little bit. Uh, so they switched it midway through the game against AM Commerce and went to a guy named Jack Shields, who's a sophomore. He's a guy, 58% completion uh, rate, uh, touchdown interception ratio, two touchdowns to three interceptions, which isn't you know great. Obviously, he has 353 total yards through one and a half games that he's played. Um, so, okay numbers. He's putting up better numbers um, than the Fordham transfer. Uh, and, but, yeah, I mean, you kind of look at his, his skill set. I mean, he can run a little bit. He had a 66-yard run early against Marshall for a touchdown. So, he uh, he can create out a structure um, and, uh, you know, can, you know, gain yard, gain first downs with his legs. Uh, but Old Dominion, they're going to be a, a run-first team. I mean, you look at their pass-run ratio, 44% pass, 56% run. Uh, so they're going to try to hide the quarterback as much as they can just because, you know, like I was saying, they're kind of playing musical chairs there where they try two guys and they don't have a, a, a great option yet, although Shields played okay against Marshall. Uh, but, you know, pretty good defense. I mean, only five, but just over five yards per play allowed in the Sun Belt. That's top three in the Sun Belt in terms of yards per play. But I think the one thing you you kind of look at them, they, allow, they have allowed 27 sacks on the year. That's over five per game. That's number one in the country. Now, the interesting thing about that is they only gave up one sack against Marshall when Shields was the quarterback. So that makes me think that the previous guy, the transfer that they had brought in, maybe he was slow or, you know, they, they talk about quarter or sacks. It's not necessarily all on the offensive line. A lot of that is, you know, quarterbacks and their ability to get rid of the ball quick. Um, and it's possible that he's just not a guy that really gets hangs on the ball too long. And Shields, the guy that gets rid of the ball quicker, or can at least evade pressure with his legs. So, yeah, they had only gave up one sack against Marshall. They had 10 against Wake. Um, so, um, yeah, 27 sacks, but um, they were really able to keep that under control against Marshall. Uh, so that makes me think that that might be, instead of an offensive line problem, that may just be more of a quarterback problem. And now that they've switched their quarterback, that's, that's something that they've been able to alleviate uh, at least a little bit. Um, so yeah, it, it's a team. They're going to run the ball, just kind of just quick hits, uncertainty quarterback, um, a quarterback that can run a little bit offensive line. We don't know if they're great or bad, just, you know, based on those sack numbers, just now they have a new quarterback that can, you know, avoid some of those sacks now. Um, and you know, pretty good defense. So it's going to be a run first team, solid D, um, with the mobile quarterback. And I think they're a team that, um, I mean, you know, Two and three beat uh, ULO, which was a solid win. They're, I mean, none of their losses have, have been ugly because they lost to uh, Virginia Tech where they were competitive for a while. Uh, lost to Wake where, you know, they had a, they were in the driver's seat for most of that game, and then they lost a close one 
um, at Marshall. So this is, um, you know, a, a decent team, even though they were picked last in the East, and you know, they may end up being um, last in the East because I think the East really doesn't have a, a complete weak link when you, when you look at that division overall. Uh, but I think a, a, a decent enough team where it's, it's a coin flip type game. I think USM is a, a three-point favorite. It was the opening line. Um, so th- this is one you really, really want to win. I feel like the wheels could come off if you lose this one because then you'd be one yeah. and five. And then you're looking at App on the road, which is going to be really – or you're looking at South on the road. You're looking at App on the road. I mean, at that point, you're yep. you're looking at uh, one and seven. So you got to stop the bleeding at some point, and I think this is going to be the best chance you've had um, against Old Dominion on Saturday for homecoming. So, Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we've – you've caught a couple of these must-win games. Yeah. I don't think we said that about Texas State. <laughs> um but yeah, this is a uh, you know even even with that improvement of the second half, you still you still look at the schedule. It's it's still hard to find games where you feel confident uh, in winning. And even you know this is certainly not one of those being a three point favorite at home. So that's I mean the odds have it basically even outside of the home field advantage. Uh, so I, I think you're going to have to score a bunch of points. I would love to see the defense obviously be better. <laughs> than they were uh, against Texas State. Um, but I, I think you're going to have to put up a big number on the scoreboard. And it's it's doable. Uh, but this, like you said, this is an improved defense. I mean, this is a defense that finished 117th in the country last year and lost a ton, a ton to the transfer portal. Um, on both and the draft. Ball. And the draft, yeah. I, I mean, so this is, this, is, uh, this is a very new roster, too. And so I, I think, yeah, uh, I'm with you, Pat. I think – I think this, if you're not already there, I think this is where you start to be really concerned that this could be a quote-unquote lost season uh, if you lose this one. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think at this point, if you, like, polled USM fans of, uh, like, their approval rating on Hall like you would a president, I think it would be, like, in the 20s or you know, maybe even closer to 10. But if you lose this one to Old Dominion at home, especially if it's ugly, yeah. I mean, I really think that there's going to be some upset people, and you might even like you might even get like people saying that, oh, you know, McLean he needs to release his statement like John Gilbert did at ECU because ECU like they released his statement after they had uh, lost or they started zero three. Gilbert did, so yeah. I think this is a game where the vibes are, they're already bad, but I think they can get you know you know twenty twelve twenty thirteen bad if you lose this one. I think honestly yeah. worse than twenty thirteen because twenty thirteen at least you know you're picking up the pieces from the Ellis era yes. and. But this is, you know, year three of what we thought was going to be a promising year for the staff and a year where you, you took another step. But if, you know, one in five, I mean, it would make – it would like I think I, the FPI – let me look it up. The FPI, it was at like 8% um, in terms of getting the like six wins. Um, let's see what that is now. 2.8, okay, so that's really not even – yeah, so you have like a three, 3% chance you get to bowl. So if you like, I guess if you could, you know, win this and you go into South Alabama and say, all right, well, if we can somehow win this, because South is scuffling a little bit, and you know, maybe you can have an outside chance of getting in a six and six in Orleans Bowl. But if you lose this, it is can everything's over, because um, I mean, there's there's basically no path at all to getting to six wins. I mean, there's probably not much of a path now. Yeah, like we're saying, those FPI numbers three percent chance. But if um, yeah, I'm just just repeating. But if you lose this one, it's it ain't gonna be pretty on the on on the USM social media. The Eagle Post is gonna be a blaze. <laughs> um, so yes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk the other side of that because I I had a few. Um, well, first of all, I, I don't think 
hopefully we haven't been overly negative. I think we're trying to be realistic um, and not be overly negative. But I did have a few people tell me that they uh, they had to turn off last week's episode because it was just it was a little depressing. Um, and I don't think that was because we were being overly negative, but just because right. the conversation was objectively right. negative. So, Pat, let's let's uh, let's talk about the other side of that. What if things turn around? What if things get better? What to you? What in your from your personal personal perspective, what would get that approval rating back up? What would make you think, okay, they're in year four? There's hope for this thing to turn around. And it's not a lost cause. What would have to happen through the rest of the schedule? If they could somehow get to six wins, I mean, we just talked about how unlikely that is. But let's say you beat Old Dominion, and let's say you beat ULM. So then you got to flip three games that you're going to be underdogs in. So, I mean, I guess the most likely of those flips would probably be Troy maybe just because that could be like a slugfest. They don't have a great offense and it's at home, so maybe you can win that. ULL, they're probably not great. I mean, they're they're okay, but they're, I mean, they're kind of like they were last year, kind of a 500-type team. You could somehow win that. So then you would be in a position where you would have to take either app because I, I I just don't think you're going to be Mississippi State on the road. Um, so you would have to beat app or, or ULL um, – or sorry, South. And let's say, you know, maybe let's say you beat South. and we'll, That would that'd that'd give people – because, you know, you've never beaten South before. It's embarrassing that, that is to say. So that would give you – um, you know, a little bit of wind in your sails, a local win. You know, I think that's really irked people that the South has been progressing faster than USM has under their staff. So, I, I if you could somehow get the six wins, I think that would make people optimistic. Um, even like if you get the five, you get let's say you get the yeah. five wins and you beat Troy that last game, you look pretty good. And like, let's say the game at Starville isn't a complete bloodbath and you look better later in the year in those last two or three games. I think that would give people like a little bit of hope heading in on the bit or with the assurance that there's still going to be changes made with yes. roster construction and with the staff. Um, so I think if you can get to five and especially six, I think that approval rating would get up um, along with, you know, changes made in the off season. I think it, I think if you do, if you go, let's say you go five and seven, but you don't do anything, you keep, you keep the same, you know, philosophy in terms of the portal you don't shake up the staff and you just run it back. I think that would make people like, all right, what well, what's going on here? But I think if you can at least show improvement later in the year, do those things we talked about with the changes, I think that would make people a little more optimistic heading into twenty four. So yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think, I think especially towards the end of the year, I, I think if you uh, maybe you know answer some of these concerns about execution and discipline and effort, especially you know early in a game. You start to look better. You start to look competent and competitive, even if you lose some of those games that don't quite make a bowl game. I think that's that's a big piece of winning some of the faith back, or at least creating a little bit of hope. So, hopefully, that's a yeah, that's a little bit better of an outlook, or at least balances out some of the negativity uh, for you guys. Pat, you want to take us around the Sun Belt or anything else on uh, ODU? No, I, th- I think that is it. Right. Um, so yeah, l- l- this last week uh, ULO went to Minnesota, lost thirty five twenty four. They had. Uh, the lead there at half 17-14. Minnesota scored uh, 21 unanswered uh, in the second half, and then ULO kind of scored a garbage touchdown late to make it 35-24. Uh, so I, I don't think they ended up covered. I think the line on that was around like 10 and a half. Uh, let's, nine and a half. Okay, so Minnesota was able to cover that just barely. 
Uh, JMU beat South 31-23. It really wasn't as close as the, as the score indicated. It was 31-10 in the fourth quarter. South scored a couple touchdowns late to make it 31-23. But JMU dominated this game uh, for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're looking like they're probably the best team in the league and they're not going to be eligible for the uh, for the title again, just kind of like they were last year when they won the East uh, and had to set out because of this trans- transitionary period. Uh, Arkansas State. 40 or 52 28 over UMass, which UMass was favored. And we were kind of concerned about, like, oh, is, you know, Arkansas State, they better go up and win against UMass because if they lose, that's going to make USM look really bad. But they were able to handle it easily. And I think the story is Arkansas State has somebody at quarterback, Jalen Rayner, who obviously, yeah. you know, USM saw last week. And he mostly, you know, he didn't have a, I mean, he, he, we've talked about he had a couple big plays through the air, but I mean, he's still 11 to 21. So it was a little bit of inconsistency in his passing game. Uh, but I mean, this game was 20 of 25, 383 and six. So excellent, excellent game for him. And he's looking like he's going to be a star in this league and, you know, you know, maybe even a star, you know, nationally. And it was funny. I saw a retweet from uh, an Arkansas state, uh, uh, beat, uh, reporter or, or a radio personality there in Jonesboro. It's a retweet of like the uh, Arkansas state NIL director. And they were basically just saying, like, just a reminder with the link to the NIL uh, yeah. Arkansas State link. So, yeah, we, we, we want to keep this guy in Jonesboro. Uh, so, it looks like they have found somebody there at quarterback. Um, so, it's good for them and good for them and good for the league that, they, that they've been able to do that. Uh, talked about ODU. They lost 41-35 at Marshall where uh, ODU got up 21-3. Uh, Marshall was able to come back and win that. Uh, 41-35. Cam Fancher, uh, 278 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, 29-35. Uh, for Marshall. Uh, Georgia Southern won 38-28. Uh, Coastal looking like they're regressing under this new staff. A sellout crowd in, uh, at Paulson Stadium in Jonesboro. 26,000 and change. I think that's a new attendance record for them. Uh, so that's, yeah, I mean, just showing you the value of, you know, some of these regional robberies we talked about where, you know, Statesboro and Conway, short distance. And, um, you know, Georgia Southern's looking really good. Davis Brand, we talked about he all had, he was a big addition through the portal. He was a proven guy at Tulsa. He was 34 56 here in 322 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Georgia Southern might have the best passing game um, in the conference. Um, Troy uh, beat Georgia State on the road 28 7. Georgia State no longer uh, undefeated. Um, so, yeah, they were, Troy was able to win that um, easily. Uh, and then um, the last game was uh oh yeah app state which this was i wasn't able to uh see the ending of this but it was um a, a thrilling back and forth game where uh app kicked a 54 yard field goal at the horn to beat ulm uh 41 to 40 so um yeah nice win on the road tough to win at ulm it's a weird i saw somebody uh troy fan on twitter said like ulm is the weirdest hardest place to win in the Sun Belt. And um, Apple was able to do it, kicking a, a 50-plus yarder uh, to win that by one. So that's huge uh, in the conference race uh, for them. Uh, and then there was uh, getting in the, this upcoming – oh, yeah, so about, uh, just a, a correction. That's what I was going to say. Uh, a correction I had said last week that there were only two undefeated teams in the conference, um, JMU and Georgia State. That's not true. Marshall is undefeated, and they're still undefeated. So Georgia State is no longer undefeated. So you have two undefeated teams, Marshall – and um and JMU. So uh there were three last week, two now. Uh but this week, uh the four teams on bye. Uh so there's there's five games, or there might might be more than or it's uh five teams on bye, excuse me. Uh so yeah, the uh, the one non conference game, Marshall goes to NC State. So this is gonna be 
I guess uh, Marshall's most difficult game less going on the road against an ACC team that's you know, probably going to bowl. Uh, NC State is a uh, six-point favorite in that one. Uh, but, yeah, big opportunity for Marshall. Where if they can win that, that would have two ACC wins. And they would start getting some conversation for, you know, New Year's Six if they were uh, to win the Sun Belt. Uh, so, yeah, that is uh, 1 p.m. on the CW, ACC, because they've had uh, that weird TV deal now. They're, they're on the CW network. But that is a big, big game for the league. Yeah. Uh, to potentially get another power conference. Uh, when Texas State goes to ULL, big game there in the West Division race. That's on ESPNU. Uh, Arkansas State goes to Troy. Curious to see how Jalen Rayner does against, you know, Troy's defense, which has, you know, been really good under John Summerall. Um, that's, yeah, at Troy. Um, and then uh, South Al goes to uh, to ULM. Uh, curious to see how that goes. South Al, you know, Maybe not quite as good as we thought they were after that Oklahoma State when Oklahoma State just looks like they're not that great. Uh, and ULM show, has showed some improvement. So uh, intriguing week. Got one big non-conference game, a couple uh, big conference games. Um, so, Yeah, big week. Right. We said we were yeah. going to talk about baseball. I'm going to try to get to a yeah. scrimmage this upcoming week, and we will talk okay. baseball this next week. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Because uh, then we'll also be coming up on a uh, on a bye week, so we won't have a – uh, an opponent to uh, to preview, so it'll be uh, a good chance to talk about baseball. Maybe some basketball as well. Um, yep, so. thirty. I think thirty five, uh, thirty six days from game number one uh, on the hardwood. So that yeah, that's certainly coming up. I don't know if we'll do a full fall preview for baseball there, but we'll certainly talk uh, the two other sports there. Pat, anything else we need to cover here? I think we hit it all. I think that's it. I think that is it. All right. Would uh, certainly encourage you uh, to still go to homecoming. Um, you know, I, I I do think it says a lot um, about about Coach Hall and his staff that this team is still is still fighting and still having uh, halves like they had, being down as much as they were, uh, as much uh, as they have been maligned. Uh, and so, yeah, go out and support those guys if you are able. And hopefully we can have a conversation about a win next week. All right, that'll do it. That is Patrick McGee. My name is Ben Milam. This has been another episode of Buzzardry, and we certainly hope to have you with us next week. This has been Buzzer Dream. Thanks for listening, and be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzer Dream Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.